imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global Program. I am so excited to welcome all of you to this week's conversation with Suzanne Castle. We'll be talking about the secrets of developing high-performing teams. And you know, creating a high-performing team takes more than simply hiring the right people and arming them with the right tools to do their work. It actually requires creating opportunities for genuine, authentic relationships to develop. And it's well-documented that authenticity contributes to workplace well-being and individual performance. It can also lift team performance as well. And when it comes to building extraordinary workplaces and high-performing teams, there are actually three psychological needs that are necessary, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Decades of research demonstrate that when people feel psychologically fulfilled, they tend to be happier, healthier, and more productive. Members of high-performing teams are significantly more likely to express positive emotions with their colleagues. They're more likely to compliment, joke with, or tease their teammates. And in emails, they are actually more likely to use things like exclamation points, emojis, gifts, deepening a sense of authenticity, as well as positive emotional connection. Now, new research suggests that the highest performing teams have found subtle ways of leveraging social connections, offering important clues on ways that any organization can foster greater connectedness, even within a remote or hybrid work setting to engineer high performing teams. Now, of those three essential needs that we just mentioned, relatedness or the desire to feel connected with others has always been the trickiest for organizations to cultivate. It's one thing to attract talented employees, but how exactly do you get them to like each other? Well, that's where Suzanne Castle steps in. She helps brilliant leaders and teams spark creative solutions. As a speaker, author, minister, consultant, and coach, Suzanne creates customized strategies for leaders and companies who are looking to create brilliant teams and creative solutions for showing up in the world. Her desire is to call to life the creative spirit in herself and in others to invigorate and honor leaders and creatives as they lend their essential vision to the way that we all see the world. Suzanne fosters possibilities for others through one-on-one coaching, through group retreats and events, through speaking engagements, well-crafted stories, art projects, and imaginative thinking. She draws her clients closer to their own creative spirit that's shining within them to help outline that spirit's purpose and direction and to provide her clients with rest and inspiration. 
I got to tell you, I am so excited about welcoming Suzanne Castle to the Leadership Global program today. Suzanne is just an absolute powerhouse leader, and I feel so honored to have you with us, Suzanne. Thank you for being here. What a treat to be here with you, Linda, all the leadership, global, wonderful, amazing women that are really rising up and claiming power and pouring into other people. Thank you so much. I know you do a lot for goodness and leadership, and it's really wonderful to be here. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. You know, I think part of our team connections for me at least, came because I really had a lot of mess happening. My road began as an entertainer. I was an artist on the stage. And like most artists, it it really, my journey hasn't been straight. It hasn't been narrow. It's been all over the place, right? And I know many of us tuning in, maybe, maybe you're in that place today too. And early years were packed to the brim with dance and acting and singing classes, coaching sessions, and then film and theater roles and music. It really it was at an unsustainable pace for me. And it stopped abruptly short by a family tragedy. And so my plans really got knocked by the wayside. I had to reinvent myself. How many of us have had to do that of late, for sure. I had a quieter season of self-reflection. And I found my love for really fostering creative and tenacious spirits for others, especially with teams. And I think that commitment to watching and valuing and possibility thinking and amplifying leaders really settled deep down in my soul. And that's really the work that uh, I'm doing today around creative possibilities and conflict management and communication. And so, of course, building that common ground and sizzling as leaders is really, really, really important to me. I love that, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being so transparent and really sharing part of your personal story. So I really appreciate that. So, you know, you've had the privilege and honor of working with a lot of teams all over the world, and you've been able to see dysfunctional teams to high-performing teams. And so as you have worked with teams to really bring out their talent, their gifts, create synergy, create real connection and collaboration in the team, what is it that you have found unifies the idea of a high-performing team? What are some of the common characteristics of a high-performing team? Well, even if we don't get to anything else, which I know we will, I really want this to land. And that is that your ability to connect and collaborate will lead to a successful high-performing team every single time. So in my world, connecting either makes or breaks your success. So really connection really means influence. And I think we think of influence today as the influencer, right? On Instagram or this place or that place or this magazine. But really that's not it at all. Influence is all about how you're connecting, meaning that you can influence performance or motivation level by creating common ground and resolving conflict more quickly because connections, when someone feels connected to you, that is power. And when you're living in that power with each other and you're in alignment, you can quickly turn the tide of a ship. And I think that's something that, that we were not taught, for sure, is that how do we up-level our own influence, not in a manipulative way, but in a connective community-building way. 
I love that. So let's dive into that. If someone said, gosh, that makes so much sense to me, but you know, I'm a little bit shy or I, I feel a little awkward socially, or I'm in a leadership position, but I don't know that I have a lot of common ground with the people that I supervise. I won't even know how to begin that. Can you give us some steps of how a leader can step into their influence and really begin to create authentic connection with the people that they're leading? Sure. I think many of us see this connection component and we think it's a natural born talent. So you either have it or you don't. And and I think when we live in that kind of landscape and that thinking, we think about communication as only words, right? But but it's so much more. And so we, we get challenged, just like you said, thinking, well, I don't have a place where I have influence or my voice isn't listened to or what I'm saying isn't landing with the company or my boss or even my team next to me or under me. Because we think that influencing a team is about impressing the team with our awesome bank of knowledge, right? But it's not that at all. It really is about building common ground, which for me says it's not shout your opinion the loudest. It's finding common ground. So I think the first step that I would invite everyone to try and practice is that when you develop common ground as a first rule of communication, that connectors will always connect on a common ground, when we get together in a meeting, let's say, or um, if we're doing a project together, a lot of us say, okay, what do I want to say? We go into a meeting saying, I know what I'm going to say. And already that doesn't, that doesn't put you in the land of common ground that puts you on your little solo island over here. So instead, I'm going to invite you to just really recenter yourself to say, okay, when we're together, what brought us all together? In other words, what, what is that we are here to do and really center into that. I don't know how many meetings I'm a part of where no one knows why they're in the room and everybody already assumes. And so everybody's listening for a break in the conversation so they can shout their opinion the loudest. So one kind of way of being is really self-focused and the other one is really focused on community or common ground focus. I love that, Suzanne. That makes so much sense. And it's really about moving away from being very uh, self-focused to being very other-focused and really tapping into, you know, what other people need and how you can be of service. And that's a great way if you're trying to find a common ground for connection, that's a great way to begin the conversation, really trying to understand how you can be of service to others. So that's brilliant. Now, how can you adjust your communication to influence others and lead clients or employees or teams in a way that creates that kind of rapport, that kind of authentic connection that you need as a leader to influence others? Well, I think that that we we kind of surround ourselves with barriers, right? And what, what I find when I'm talking to people are, are they really are communicating out of one of three silos, let's say. So the first one might be assumption. So we walk into a meeting, uh, we're, we're having lunch with a potential client, and we come in saying, I already know how you feel and what you want already, so I'm going to learn to meet what I know you're already going to say. And again, that's the I, I, I that I was just talking about, right? Or if, if that's not where you're finding yourself, the, the other place that we tend to communicate out of is out of arrogance, meaning that I don't need to know what you're feeling because I know what I have would work. So just zip it and let me tell you what, what you need to know. I, I call it the what, what, right? I'm going to give you the what, what. 
And then the third silo that I see people in a lot is indifference, honestly, which is I really don't care. I have a job to do. So let me get through my presentation and that's it. So instead of that, that is all based on that little island that we talked about earlier. So if we really do want to build and kind of creatively collaborate and empower our team, and if you're a solopreneur, empower those people that are working around you, like you said, so what do you what do you do instead? So what I do is I have this little method called ask. It's just A-S-K, and that's just because it's just a moniker for us to, to really help us remember what are the things that help me build relationships, connect with each other, and be creative at the same time. So the A stands for assets, meaning questions, questions, notice that I say questions and not information, questions geared towards the needs based of the conversation. So in other words, making sure, do you know why you're here? Tell me uh, how you're feeling about us uh, in this space today. Tell me your feelings around this project that we're excited to start working on together. So you really want to understand that kind of needs-based and, and begin to understand the assets there, right? So do we have what we need? Hey, team, do we have all the people on our team that we need, for example? Or is there is there a person missing? Is there a piece of software missing? This is really important to kind of build the common ground and let everyone together say, yeah, I think we have all of our assets. And then the next part really is the S, which is sense. And we don't do a lot of this, which is really the feeling-based part of the conversation. So making sure that everyone in the room has a chance to express emotions about whatever it is. This is what we want to shy away from. And, and I will say corporations, for, for lots of reasons, don't want people to express their emotions, right? But it's important to at least get them out on the table. Because if you have someone that's not excited, or you have someone that's, you know, I really don't want to be here, I need to be spending my time somewhere else, it's good to know now, rather than in the middle of the project when things aren't moving along because someone really didn't have the energy for it or they were pulled in too many other directions. So I like to ask everybody, hey, how are we feeling about this? And then, and then the last one, K, is really that kind of knowledge part, which is a deep dive. So this is the skills and abilities and the education of the people in the room. So, so you want to kind of assess that. Let people tell you what they're bringing to the table. If it's a client, for example, let them say, here's what I've already tried. I don't hear a lot of people asking that question either. Like, tell me what you've already tried. And, and this way you immediately begin to build common ground and offset any desire to fall into one of those three kind of silos that we were talking about just a minute ago. And, and I find that people feel like in that moment, I do have a voice and I am being heard and that will change, change a, a cor culture's corporation in no time flat. I love that. And this whole idea of ask, the uh, moniker of ask is so rich, so deep, but so easy to remember. And I love that. And you're right. Just the simple act of asking questions is actually opening up the door for authentic communication. But Suzanne, what happens when a team is so shut down because perhaps they've they've been operating in a toxic environment or it is it's been clear to them that any kind of expression of opinion or expression of dissent or challenging a decision or questioning a decision is going to have really negative consequences. So how do you begin to rebuild that trust that foundation of trust between the team members? And how do you begin to cultivate that idea of let's 
ask each other some of those fundamental questions is set that framework and really be open to receiving what comes up. Well, this may be antithetical to what anyone who's listening in has ever been taught. And I will tell you on, on this kind of question, I really look to the arts, meaning that we're just going to look at it in an out of the box kind of way. So we're going to shake out that box real quick. So if you're listening, just kind of like, make sure your shoulders are back. because I, I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I'm going to make you uncomfortable. And that is, is first and foremost, find out what people feel that is zapping their energy and their joy. So a lot of times I feel like we come into the situation and we assume that there's conflict or there's a personality issue going on. Um, we bring, If we already think that and we're walking into a team meeting, I promise you're wearing that. Even if you're the best actor on the planet, you are wearing that all over with you with your side eye or your rolling eye or the fact that you're scrolling on this instead of being present in the meeting. We do all sorts of little things that really kind of throw kinks into what we're trying to do when we're trying to creatively collaborate together. So when I'm feeling that funkiness, even if it's me bringing it into the midst, I stop and I say, okay, what's the number one thing that's zapping my joy right now? In this meeting, in this team environment, what is it? I, I think it's so important to get things out on the table. Instead of sending a text or an email, it's hard to feel tone, right? We found in COVID, like even things like this, they're great because you can see facial expressions, but there's just something different when you hear someone. So maybe you need to pick up the phone for once and don't text and don't email and start talking about, I am feeling X, Y, Z. I am frustrated here or having to do this spreadsheet is zapping all my creative energy. And when you call me into a meeting, the last thing I want to do is sit here because I'm already upset about it. Wouldn't that be important information for you to know? So go get somebody else to do the spreadsheet for you if you can. Or as a manager, wouldn't you want to know that about one of your teammates and say, you know what, maybe we need to shift some responsibilities here. Because what I really need for you to do is be motivated and have your performance rise. So once we figured out what actually is zapping kind of your energy for something and putting you into that space where you're not feeling like you can communicate well, then the next question to ask is, okay, so what is your goal here? And, and that gets back to really understanding your team. And, and so you're all working towards something together. If people can say what their top goal is and everybody can agree, then you can find some shared space to make that together and then find, how can I enhance this? How can I share space with this person? What are some things that I can put in front of them that will motivate them and give them performance energy so that they can move closer to their goal? Because when they're moving closer to their own personal goals, guess what? Your whole team will rise up in that moment and together you're going to race towards your goals. It's really kind of a counter way to think about um, managing a team, but it's really what performers do, which is I'm going to own what I'm feeling when I'm walking on the stage. I'm going to get it out there so it can be dealt with. So now we can do the performance together. And, and by hiding that in corporate culture so much, I think that's where a lot of conflict happens and the lack of communication thrives. Yeah, gosh, so smart. I really love this idea of just being super transparent and getting out on the table very first. This is how I'm feeling about this assignment, this team, this dynamic, this request, this offer. This is how I'm responding to that. So as a leader, you have that information and you can have very open, very clear sort of reset with that um, teammate. And you can say, you know, 
I see that this is working for you, but this isn't. How can we solve the part that's not working for you? That's great. And, yeah. and I love that word that you said, how can we solve this? Because that that alone will change and shift the conversation. If, if, if I was struggling and I had somebody like you, Linda, coming to me and saying, you know, I'm noticing this. Tell me how you're feeling. And then you say, okay, I'm so glad you shared that. How can we solve this? Now I feel like you're on team, Suzanne, and you want to help me thrive, not just like succeed. There's thriving, which is a whole different concept, right? And and really living into why you hired me in the first place instead of, well, I'm going to give you some personal time so you can go get that figured out. That's, that's not leading anyone. That's really just kind of shutting the door on the problem. And I just, I think I'm in a space in my world and my life where I, I want to be helping people joyfully claim what they're trying to do in the world. And if we would all just lock arms together, our world would be a much more fantastic and I think heart-centered place to be. Love that. So talk a little bit about your coaching. Talk a little bit about what you do with teams and with leaders to drive that kind of high-performance culture, environment, that mindset, that behavioral set that really allows people to develop authentic, deep, rich, meaningful relationships, meaningful connections that they can, you know, really do their best and highest work. As you said, they can thrive. So how do you work with leaders and teams to create that in the world? Well, there's really kind of two different pathways. And one is like one-to-one elite CEO, C-level leadership coaching, which is really diving deep to the issues that come up and how we tackle those. And everything that I do is customized to that particular client. So they bring to me their challenges. Usually people hire me in the midst of the muck, right? I'm not usually the first person that people, like things are going well. They're like, let's bring in Suzanne. They call me in when things aren't going so hot. And so really we dive deep into exactly what we were just talking about here. What are the challenges? How are we responding? How can we start to shift even just our language or our approach and watch what unfolds in that moment. And then the second pathway really is they would bring me in for retreats or uh, day-long workshops with their entire team. And when they do that, I teach a whole project management method called the round table, which really allows people to understand how to communicate differently, how to work on teams together. And even if you're a solopreneur, I would say, well, let's bring in uh, we can do it virtually. Let's bring in the person who's helping you do graphics. And what about your accountant? And, and really together, it's about how are we going to make sure that we're going to catch challenges before they pop up. We're going to understand our risks and rewards. And then we're going to celebrate because I'm a big, if you haven't figured it out right now already, part of the sparkle factor, which is my brand, is really helping people understand the need for celebration along the way. We don't just wait for things to be right. We celebrate every day to make sure that our mind right here is always looking for the good part of whatever is happening to us. And so that's really the work that I'm doing right now. I love it. I love speaking and leading teams. It's just so such joy to watch people have the little moment where they're like, oh, I so get why when I go and say things like this, the person next to me rolls their eyes and walks out of the room. It's just little teeny tiny shifts. And so that's the work that I'm trying to do today. I love that. So I love your Sparkle brand, obviously a huge, huge fan. And I love that you have such a focus on celebrating. Um, And to me, there's a real connection between celebrating all the wonderful things that life is bringing you and also having a real focus on gratitude, having a real focus on being grateful for the blessings in your life, for 
all the wins in your life or everything that's happening that is worth celebrating. So how do you connect those two ideas of celebration and gratitude? I think that the change is what I'm focusing on. So I think when you're struggling, like what you just named seems like a far off, far fetched dream. Like you're never going to capture that. But the reality is, is when we uh, decide and it is a choice every day to find something of joy. It is a choice that you're making. What happens, let me turn into the brainiac uh, with you for just a minute. A lot of my work is in neurodynamic theory. And what happens is you tell your brain now, hey, brain, I want you to notice another good thing. And and the more things that you can begin to capture joy, like I uh, with my clients, we put together a joy toolbox. So it might have silly putty or bubbles or confetti, or it might have a candy bar or something. Um, and take five minutes when you're frustrated and go blow bubbles will change your perspective on your whole day. I mean, trust me here when I say this. So it really is making sure that you have the tools around you to say, okay, yeah, this is a thing, but it's not the whole thing. So instead, my whole of life is going to be exciting and joyful and energetic. And that change that happens when you start to focus your entire life and business towards that means that you're creating new neurons here. You're deep diving into your parasympathetic nervous system so that when challenges appear, you're not suddenly saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to get eaten by the bear. What you're saying is, hey, I didn't get eaten last time. I'm going to dip my toe back in and it's not going to be so bad. And so that's what we're doing is is the work that I'm doing is about establishing patterns. And really when you're establishing patterns, then, then your brain creates new neurons and every new neuron brings a new possibility. So we're really just kind of stacking the and hacking our brain to make us more joyful creatures. Oh, I love that. That is just wonderful, Suzanne. Thank you. Well, we're nearing the end of our time together. I feel like I could spend the next two days just uh, exploring these concepts with you and really learning and listening. Um, But I I do want to be respectful of the time that you've given us. So let me ask you one final question. When we think about uh, our own personal journey, invariably, there's someone who has really impacted us. There's someone who has changed our trajectory who has really positively redirected us and supported us and helped us really not only affirm our gifts and our talents, but maybe redirected our path forward through wise sage counsel. So when you think about your own journey, Suzanne, what is the best leadership advice that you've ever been given that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, honestly, it's a throw yourself a party. So um, it might be a pity party, okay? So with all the sad, sappy songs and and um, maybe it's um, a whole quart of ice cream or cookie dough and your best sweatpants and you crawl into bed. So give yourself a pity party or throw yourself an amazing party, right? Like celebrate the fact that you got up today. If that's all you did today and yesterday you couldn't, let's celebrate that instead. So my best leadership advice is don't be so serious throw yourself a party and you will change internally here. And then whatever is being thrown your way, you'll, you will have the better tools to kind of access your possibility. Oh gosh, that's so beautiful. I will tell you for all of our viewers and listeners out there, I will tell you, Suzanne Castle is the embodiment of joy. She is the embodiment of sparkle. Not only is she absolutely brilliant, one of the most intuitive and one of the most powerful coaches I've ever met, but she is To be with her is like you have gotten a adrenaline shot of pure joy and happiness 
and you see life differently through Suzanne's lens. Everything is rainbows. It's like colorful and dynamic and sparkling. So Suzanne, thank you so much for being a part of my life, for being a part of Leadership Global. And thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom with our audience today. I am very grateful. Thank you for having me and literally for creating a space for women to network and help each other show up in just fantastic ways. Linda, the work that you're doing is extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.